I'm Amy Lettingham. I'm a master certified dating and relationship coach. And I'm Kevin Lettingham, Amy's husband and a former reality and docuseries TV producer director. And together we want to welcome you to Sex, Love, and Mindful Dating. In today's show, we're going to break down probably my favorite episode so far. That's episode six of Love is Blind. In this one, the newly engaged couples head back to Atlanta and try to build their new life together. We're also going to introduce you to a powerful new relationship tool called non-negotiables. When you're aware of your non-negotiables, aka your deal breakers, you're clear about your boundaries and what is okay and not okay in a relationship. This gives you the power to trust your choices in your love life and know when to stay or walk away. And if your goal is to find lasting love, my conscious dating programs help you do just that. We do it through breaking your unhealthy dating beliefs, attitudes, patterns, and through my online dating courses, group coaching, and personal one-on-one virtual coaching, I can help you. Contact me at amythedatingcoach.com, that's A-M-I-E, thedatingcoach.com, and mention the podcast to receive a special offer. All right, let's uh, dive into episode six. Uh, I'd love to start this episode with a bite from Amber because I think it really talks to what our show is about. Um, And this is what Amber says. I think some of the couples are more in their head than their heart, not embracing what they're feeling. It scares them. So I don't know if everybody's gonna make it to I do. What is so great about this bite is where she talks about her heart and her head. And I think that's such an important part of the dating process is balancing that. And I know there's a part of your program that is called non-negotiables that are, I think, just brilliant. Can you tell us about non-negotiables and what they are and then how they might help people balance their head and their heart? Yeah, non-negotiables are the core values in a relationship that need to match in order for the relationship to work. They're deal breakers in a relationship. It's not the superficial traits, kind of like height or, you know, the color of someone's hair. That stuff really, at the end of the day, doesn't, you know, make or break a relationship. Really, these core values do. Most of the singles I work with end up with about 10 to 15 of them. Some of the standard non-negotiables for my clients are like family-oriented. You need to know whether you want kids or not right? And then emotional intimacy, emotional availability. I see that a lot of singles I work with struggle with meeting somebody that is vulnerable with them or somebody that is financially responsible, right? Because if you are, you want the same from your partner and vice versa. And what happens if, let's say you're dating someone and you've got 15 non-negotiables, right? And they have, I don't know, 12 or they have 13. What happens? You mean the other person only has 12 to 13? Yeah then the relationship won't work. Because what you'll notice with a non-negotiable, it's if you're not really clear about them, you'll notice you'll be arguing about the same thing over and over and over again. And it's the same pattern because one of the non-negotiables are not being met. So if one non-negotiable is not met, the relationship doesn't work, period? It doesn't. Because it'll become an issue. It's just prolonged pain. That's why, you know, people will say, I've been with him for five years and then we ended. Well, it's a relationship that should have been ended within the first six months, you know, of them discovering this non-negotiable not being met. So this is kind of like uh, people that have these non-negotiables. They write them down, they know them, and then the goal is to screen them against their partners. Yeah, you have to vet the person across from you and you have to ask the person across from you if they have the same non-negotiable that matches yours. And non-negotiables are subjective. So when you talk about like, oh, I want someone spiritual, 
Well, my definition of, of spirituality may be different than yours. So not only do we have to say, okay, we're both spiritual, but what does it mean to you? And what does it mean to me? If we're aligned, there's going to be a lot less conflict. And then what, what I guess one of the big questions then is, I think most people, I'm sure a lot of the people listening right now go, oh, I know them. I, I know my list. I've written them down. I know exactly what I want. But what do you find? I find every single time someone says that when I work with them on their non-negotiables list, they discover there's six to five non-negotiables that they didn't list that they were totally unaware of. Now, the simple stuff, they're like, yeah, I want loyalty. I want trust. But the stuff that they forget is, oh, I didn't know that I didn't get emotional intimacy in my last relationship. I didn't even recognize it until we started talking about it. And so we start lifting unconscious non-negotiables to the surface and they become aware of them. And those were the reason why the relationship ended from the start. For example, one of the things when we were dating, financial responsibility was really important to me just because I've worked so hard to be financially responsible. And uh, my last ex-boyfriend was so irresponsible. And I remember asking you, and it was it's embarrassing to admit this, but I was like, I have so-and-so credit score, and I know this might be a weird question to ask you, but what is yours? <laughs> and it was luckily pretty high, I remember. Yeah. yeah. and I Still was is, like, by the way. And I asked you a question, an open-ended question. I was like, you know, if you met your ideal partner right now, what would your financial, you know, security look like for you and your partner? Would you want 401k? Would you want uh, the joint accounts? What What does it look like for you? I do remember that. And that we, you and I had very similar views on long-term saving, on spending habits and other things like that, which we discussed. The credit score being a smaller part of that, but it showed that financially, we at least thought similarly. Yeah. And I did it in the early on stages. I think we were on our fifth date, you know, um, and a lot of singles ask me, when should I have these conversations? You need to have it early on because if you're going to be emotionally involved with somebody, it's one of the top reasons why people divorce is finances. Well, that brings us to a great place in the show because Jessica and Mark actually for the first time, I want to give Jessica like major applause here. Yay! She asked all those questions that you're talking about, these deep, non-negotiable type questions that were open-ended. And then she also listened. She actively listened to Mark's response. It was amazing. Yeah, she did. She had a wine glass in her hand, but she did. She did. Well, <laughs> baby steps. She's still going to drink. Uh, I think the big thing Jessica did, she's actually taking an active role in her own love life, not just letting Mark lead the way, saying, I care about you. She's screening him. Talk about the questions she asked and how she did a good job in this. She mentioned like the age gap of when they have children. How is he going to feel about it? And Mark just said, don't worry. It's totally fine. I'm fine with this. We're doing it together. I mean, he said the things you want to hear, but then she was like, what if I move to California or want to move to California or Chicago? What's going to happen then? Who's going to take care of your mom? And the one thing that I really, really enjoyed is that she brought up, it is a red flag that he's saying yes to everything. There's like not one thing that he has, like he has no identity. Everything that Jessica wants, she gets. Mark's not being his authentic self. You're not getting his full truth. There's no way. And she's right. Nobody is that agreeable. Yeah. And I, to I totally think that she's now seeing that Mark is 
as you mentioned in a previous episode, he love-bombed her. He's telling her all the things she wants to hear, and his goal is to marry her, not to connect. Yeah, because I think at the end of the day, uh, he thinks that, again, this is about winning, right? It's about conquering, and there's a lot of pride that Mark does have. Now, trust me, I think in his mind, he really does love her, and he thinks the definition of love is just unconditional no voice, no thought, no conflict, love. Like I'm going to like love her to death to the point where she'll stay. But he's forgetting this is a partnership. She wants a man. Yeah. But before she didn't ask these questions, what she's doing and not realizing it is that she's taking her non-negotiables. She's asking the question and waiting for the answer, right? Yeah. I love it. I love that she's doing a good job now. I think they took her out of the fantasy box, put her in real life, and then she's like, oh, crap. I'm looking at his lifestyle and my lifestyle. There's a huge difference. Yeah. She can see the way he lives. She talked to his roommates, got some information there. So the part about non-negotiables that is also good is that you can gather information to feed your screening process from all over. Right? Yeah. And that's the whole purpose is to collect as much data as you can. And then you can make an educated decision rather than being emotional about it. Right. And jumping in quickly and then start peeling back and going, oh, my gosh, what did I get myself into? And and I have to take a moment to talk about arguably the most shocking moment in the whole episode is when Jessica took her glass of wine and dropped it low and her dog took a drink of red wine. <laughs> Her dog is an alcoholic too. Oh, I couldn't so believe it. Well, she likes boundaries somewhere. Oh. I'm sure. I mean, look. Sure. To be fair, I've tried to give our dog Buddy some Guinness before. He he doesn't seem to like it. But the way she laid the glass down was almost like, oh, this happens all the time. This dog just. She's like, oh, you want some wine? Yeah, Here, just want some wine. Well, on the one hand, she was a completely new Jessica. On the other hand, she did drink throughout the whole episode, which unfortunately is is not going to help her in her path to find love if she continues. But we will see. I'd like to take a moment to talk to you about my free ebook, Five Dating Traps to Avoid. It gives you tips to avoid all the traps that make your heart break. So go to amythedatingcoach.com and that's spelled A-M-I-E, thedatingcoach.com. Let's move on to our next couple. That's going to be Lauren and Cameron. Now we talked about non-negotiables, which are deep core values. And Lauren and Cameron, they talk about their pet peeves, which are different. Yeah. <laughs> I love hearing her pet peeves and actually agree with her on some parts. Um, the toilet seat being down and if she fell in, she'd be so angry. Yeah. I think that happened to me once with you. But that's a pet peeve. Yes. It's not a deal breaker. No, it's not a deal breaker. So these are just kind of annoyances. She said, don't use my toothbrush. Yeah, I agree with this one. I dated girls that tried to use my toothbrush. I'm like, no. I, I tried to use your toothbrush. Yeah, once. I, I know. forgot mine when we went on vacation. <laughs> and I'm like, whenever I forgot my toothbrush, I would never ask you to use your. I'd use my finger. I'd go. Mm. I would still like, I would clean the brush so much, but I guess I can understand it. But Cameron didn't seem to mind. Cameron, like, fine. I would be totally fine using your toothbrush. Yeah, and she hates it when she hears people chew. 
<laughs> I I know I know a lot of people that get annoyed with that though. That's not an uh, a strange one. Yeah. Well, I, these are funny pet peeves and they matter in a relationship. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's like you want to show respect to someone by not doing the things that drive them bonkers. But at the same time, you have to kind of, God forbid, he used your toothbrush. It's not a hanging offense. Well, I think these are what I call in my program needs. You know, you need to have boundaries or respect, but they're negotiable. They're not like the deal breakers that are non-negotiables, you know. Um, so these are things that you're willing to tolerate. Maybe if you did use, uh, I used your toothbrush, you wouldn't get a divorce with me because of that, right? No, no. It just annoyed the crap out of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would, and I'd probably just grab a new toothbrush. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, we should talk about, I think you and I both came up with a list, right? Yeah. For our own. Uh, you want to go first or you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> when I first met you, and I think you lived with me for like, Two months just while we were in transition of moving into our new place, you left the gym, your gym clothes right next to the hamper. And I'd ask you, just put it in the hamper. And you're like, no. There's different levels of dirty. It doesn't go all the way in the hamper because I'm going to wear it again. You know how f- dirty the floor is? <laughs> you might as well just pick it up, hang it somewhere if you want to keep it rather than leaving it on the floor next to the hamper. It's not ready for the hamper yet. Put it right next to the hamper. I'll grab it the next day. On the floor. On the floor. (laughs) All right. And another pet peeve is when you pee in the dark, you miss the bowl. Yeah, that's... And sometimes I step on it. Maybe this is... pretty gross. Yeah, (laughs) I know. That is bad. But maybe this is my way of like inventing something amazing for guys at night to have a, a bowl that's clothes they do they have something like that there's an actual target maybe i should buy it all right i think we'll have to do that uh and you break too many things oh my gosh i've actually to this point when you say amy i broke something i don't get upset anymore i'm like eh, that's my husband (laughs) yeah i i do break things i think it's because i'm in a hurry a lot of times and i don't take the time to do things right i do them quickly sometimes and that's when things break yeah Oh, no question. All right. Now do I get to do my list? Yeah. What's your list on me? All right. It sounds like a small one, but leaving the hair in the hairbrush, you have really thick black hair and you use my brush and you never clean it. So when I go to brush my hair, it literally is covered in black, long hair. And it kind of just, it's, uh, I hate that feeling when Amy's five, 10 hairs are on my head. That's called love. Yeah, that's love. (laughs) So I wish you would clean the hairbrush more. That's one. Number two, you use far too many cups. Like sometimes in a day, I'll see like four different cups being used. Yeah, well, there's a cup for every room. It's important to have It is. That. There literally is a <laughs> cup in every room. And the problem is I do the dishes. So I end up doing like instead of, you know, four cups in four days, I'll have 14 cups in four days that have to be washed. I just want to keep your arms, you know, muscly by cleaning Yes, you're you're doing a very good job. My muscles are growing every time you do that. Uh, And then the last one is you love to go to the bathroom with the door open. Why? (laughs) Just close it. Like anytime, downstairs, upstairs, like just close the door. I don't need, I know I've seen you naked. I know I've seen you go to the bathroom, but do we really need to do it everywhere? It's so claustrophobic. (laughs) Oh God. This is what I have to live with. my own home. 
I guess, but your own home you share with someone else. Here's the funny part. Our upstairs bathroom, I don't know why there's a design flaw, but there is no door on the actual bathroom. Yeah, but there is a bedroom door that can close that would keep you in the bathroom with the door closed. Yeah, but then you wouldn't have the freedom to walk in and out. I would be, Which I don't need because I hear (laughs) in the bathroom. (laughs) Like, I, I just, I wait, I'll wait. Okay. All right, moving on. Uh, We should talk one more thing about Lauren and Cameron. They go to each other's homes and then they're having this great moment about their future. And she says, would you mind if I kept my apartment? Which, I don't know. I mean, what did you think of that? I, you know what I think about it because (laughs) when we were dating and you bought a home and we hadn't gotten engaged yet, you're like, we can move in together and... You can come and stay at this beautiful home with me. Yeah. And I remember saying the same thing going, well, I have a really nice apartment. <laughs> and I go, and we're not engaged yet, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which they were, but still they were engaged very quickly. Yeah, they, she doesn't consider it a, an engagement. I think this is probably her way of just making just sure case. that if, you know, they she suddenly learns something she couldn't possibly know because they've only known each other two weeks. That she has a place that she can go to and not be trapped with Cameron in his home. Yes, and I absolutely agree. I think that she's being mindful. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is using your head with your heart. This is the head absolutely talking. Because her heart says, I'm moving into this place. Yeah, and Cameron, you know, was disappointed I, I'm sure you were disappointed when I said I wasn't going to move in right away. I was, yeah. And I set my boundary. It was a non-negotiable for me. I needed to be engaged with somebody and fully committed with them in that way before I even moved in. Yeah. And she, because both of us are, this is how I view engagements too. And I feel like she's kind of viewing it the same way is that we haven't lived with each other. We don't know what's going to happen. As we live with each other, we may uncover a lot of red flags. Yeah. And even though you're engaged, it doesn't mean you have to get married. You can still break up. Yeah. It's a really prudent move. You made a prudent choice. I did propose in that house, by the way. <laughs> and yes, you did. before we moved in and then you did move in and we got married and we took it at a pace that was acceptable to you and that I respected. Yeah, and that that's something that I will share with you. Most people don't assert their boundaries because they're fe- they fear that they'll ruin the relationship or there'll be conflict and the people will um, reject them for saying what they want. And that's the one thing about non-negotiables. If they don't meet them, you need to know this ahead of time because it's going to ruin your relationship anyways. Yeah, yeah. So, and then and then you're going to be so far in, you're going to have to deal with divorce lawyers and you're going to have to deal with money issues. It's a mess. Yeah. It's preventable for the most part. If you do the work. Yeah. Uh, Moving on now to Amber and Barnett. Now they go to Barnett's house because Amber, I don't think even has a place to live, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, So his house is, you know, a nice one bedroom home. Uh, They get into the kitchen and then Amber starts to tell Barnett a lot about her and her finances. Yeah, she she definitely was, here's my baggage. I'm just going to let you know it all. It was a lot of baggage. Take it or leave it. This is what I come with. And she's like, I was homeless for a while. I was couch surfing, 
we're different with finances. You're much more responsible than I am. Um, I don't really look into the future. I have $700 limit on my credit card and it's maxed out. Yeah. And I have a $20,000 student loan debt. What, what, to a school she never graduated from. And I want to be a stay-at-home mom. Uh, that was the part to me that was, I don't want to use the word disturbing. It just seemed so childish that here's this person who's coming with all this debt, who's offering nothing in terms of financial support or stability into a relationship. And she's like, oh, I'll just have the baby and stay home. Yeah. On day one, like, I think she wants to have a baby like tomorrow. And then you can just see poor Barnett, like his face. It's like, what's he signing up for? Yeah. He was starting to process yeah. real life now. Yeah. So this is when real life's hitting him. He's like. It smacked him in the face. Yeah. And, I, and we should point out, probably one of the number one reasons for divorce is financial issues, financial incompatibility or f- lack of financial respect for your partner. So they're going to have a real uphill battle here if this doesn't get resolved. All he has to do is Barnett lays down his non-negotiables, his boundary, and then she can either meet them or not meet them. And that'll be the deciding factor if they continue their relationship. Yep, yep. Well, Barnett does have a birthday party in this episode, so they invite the entire cast over to come and celebrate with him, and then we get an unbelievably raw and real moment with Barnett and Jessica where they sit together, and she was pretty bombed, but she was very real and was very honest with Barnett. Yeah, and she was leaning in towards him, like her body language like is so opposite of what when she's sitting next to Mark, it's like she's leaning away. Yep. When she's into Barnett, she's like leaning towards, flipping her hair, flipping her hair yep. laughing. I mean, you could clearly see she's into him. And Barnett actually has the opposite like body language. His arms are crossed. He's like leaning away. He's very dour. His face isn't smiling. He's being nice. He's being nice, but, but you can see he's uncomfortable yeah. and he doesn't want to deal with this. And he knows the camera's watching. Yeah. And then he asks her flat out how things are going. And she's saying, you know, things are not great with Mark. She's not feeling it. There's the, no connection necessarily. And then Barnett, oh, he asked the question that you and I have been asking, like, well, if you're not connecting with them and you don't have the connection, why did you say yes to marry him? Yeah, she said she was coming off of a high off of the experiment. And since Barnett didn't want to marry her, she went for the opposite, something different, because Mark loved her so hard. And I think she said yes because she was hoping if she does something different, it will change. And I see this with a lot of singles I work with. They go from one end of the spectrum to the other And that doesn't mean that they're doing the right thing. Sometimes it's about sitting right in the middle and getting clear of what that looks like. If your non-negotiables aren't met, none of those relationships are going to work. And and I'd be willing to bet at this point, if Jessica had 12 or 13 non-negotiables, let's just say, Mark has three, four. Yeah, he meets about three to four. Yeah, yeah. not very few. I mean, they're, they're not on the same page with money. Family, maybe they both want kids, but at the end of the day, though, you know, she's in the experiment. I think she's going to stick it through because she wants to give a good college try, even if it's not going to work. But yeah, it doesn't hurt her to do it. No, why not? Things can change. Uh, all right, another thing at the party, which will uh bring us near the end of the episode, is Damien and Gigi. 
everything's going great. They're having a wonderful time with the couples. And then Damien makes this really odd comment to Lauren when she's talking about how she's having some, you know, concerns about her relationship with Cameron. And he said something like, yeah, Lauren, you're the... Roadblock. Roadblock, that's it. Damien is just an awkward person. And he... he I don't even think he was trying to be rude. He just kind of it slipped out. Yeah, he said it off the cu- cuff. Yeah. But again, the problem with Damien, he didn't apologize, though. Gigi walked off, and then it just led to this big fight. This is his biggest flaw. He's so damn defensive. He just needs to listen and then just apologize. What we're seeing here is some non-negotiables being screened. Gigi pointed out some things that I think might be her non-negotiables. Yeah, she wanted him to listen to her. She wanted him to take accountability for his actions and apologize. And he did none of those things. He just got louder and louder and screamed and made her just angry. You know, I will tell you with my ex, I will. He brought out the worst in me like I normally would never react in so much anger. But I remember Certain people will push you to to a point where you just have to blow up. There's no, there's nothing that you can do. And I think that's what he does for Gigi. He like lights the fire to make it even worse. Yeah. And I, I think that what you're saying is 100% right. The two of them have these really good moments. But then when the core values, the things that they're about bubble to the surface, conflict always arises. Yeah. And honestly, I think that was a, a really a big eye-opening moment for the relationship. And we'll have to see what happens in the next episode because this will not just blow over. They will have to resolve some of these issues if they're going to move on. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of uh, this episode. Uh, why don't we talk about some of the takeaways from episode six, Amy? Yes. Takeaway number one is to know your non-negotiables. Again, these are your core values you must have aligned with your partner. They're not the superficial traits like height or look, and they can help you discover whether the relationship is going to work or not work. So just like you have non-negotiables, your partner does too, and you have to vet them against yours to see if you guys align and do it, have these hard conversations early on. And takeaway number two is to arm yourself with proper screening techniques. Jessica did a really good job in this episode. She asked open-ended questions. She asked them at the right time. She was actively listening and she was really opening up more questions instead of first level questions. Once Mark answered, she would dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's what you wanna do. So now we want to hear from you. Let us know about one of your major non-negotiables. Go to our website at amythedatingcoach.com forward slash podcasts and leave your comments and questions and also leave your feedback about this episode as well. We love hearing it. And as always, if you do like the show, please give us a five-star review or hit the subscribe button. It really helps us. Thank you for listening. And like we always say, take charge of your love life by dating mindfully. See you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.